Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. It just helps keep the lights on. That's at patreon.com slash I love that movie. And if you sign up, you do get a monthly or not monthly, a weekly bonus episode. Right now we're covering all of WandaVision, uh, but we've also covered The Mandalorian and I have guests on there to discuss those episodes. And I do a weekly roundup of just everything else I'm watching. You guys always ask me what I'm watching, what I'm up to, since it doesn't fit into this podcast guest that goes on my patreon and i want to take a moment to thank my top patrons and they are chris balga michael cross philip barker and jeff widman thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on uh, and if you like what you hear today please subscribe and rate the show it does help new listeners find us well i've got a new guest with me here today i've got Corey. say hi Corey. hello there Hello, and Corey, since you are new to the podcast, would you mind kind of introducing yourself a little bit? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, absolutely. So my name is Corey. I am mainly a new podcaster. So I'm listening to him a little bit, and now I'm actually going to get into creating my own. But I'm a very good listener of podcasts, so I love to find good podcasts, and I love to listen to them and engage in them and this is my first time actually guest starting on one so I'm very excited. I run a Instagram page, C2 Cosplay. I am one half of that page. as mainly me and my partner showcasing my cosplay. And that's what I most likely focus on most times, but now I'm actually getting into expanding the page and trying out new things. So this is one of them. So I'm very excited to be here. That's so cool. And you know, I cosplay too. So I love your page, especially since it's so DC focused. All of the like Flash cosplays and Green Lantern. And then I saw you guys did uh, Captain Marvel, like just all of it. It's really cool. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite yeah. things. Can't wait to actually get back <laughs> to it. We just actually get, we have actually. Seriously. We actually just um, shot some new content uh, two days ago. So we're going to actually start getting back into it. So pretty excited oh, man. about that. I, I look forward to that. And like uh, my husband and I, Nick, have cosplayed like, you know, Wonder Woman and Flash together. But I'm always trying to get him to do more DC <laughs> stuff. Yeah. He likes video games more. But I really want him to like make a Nightwing costume and stuff. I'm pressuring him. I want to do more of that. So I just I love couple cosplays and I love the fact that it's DC. But we're talking about a movie. It, it's kind of related in some ways, you know, I mean, it's. It's based on a comic. Uh, 
what movie did you choose to talk about today? I chose one of my all-time favorite movies in the world. It's called Josie and the Pussycats. Yay! This is 2001. 2001. Based off the the Archie comic books. I don't know how many people know about those, but it was something that I grew up with. Like, I've been collecting Archie comic books since I was, I want to say, six years old at the least, and I'm in my 30s now, so, and I still do it today, so it's one of my very good obsessions, and that movie was part of that obsession, so I'm really excited to be talking about it today. Yeah, I am. So I'm aware that it's part of the Archie universe. It's kind of funny because now, you know, you've got like Riverdale and like just, you know, we've seen Josie and the Pussycats on that show and you've got Sabrina and just like other stuff that's kind of part of that world. But um, when I watched this movie last night, I ended up also uh, like watching an episode of the show too, uh, like the kind of Hanna-Barbera-ish show that that uh came out and that was like it, it kind of helped me understand a little bit more about the characters because I don't think that I ever grew up like reading them but and then I started doing like image searches to like post about watching it and it when I saw some of the cover art especially like the newer comics I'm like I need to get a couple of these like it, it kind of seems like it's up my alley so yeah, yeah absolutely, I'm kind of absolutely. like the 1970s show <laughs> It's so funny because it's actually the show that I keep on when I'm going to work, when I leave in the morning for my dog. Oh, Cause, that's cause, awesome. Because <laughs> I, I, have, I have to, like, I'm gone, like, 10 hours a day from the apartment. And I have to have something on to keep my dog entertained. And he's very much entertained by that, which is the craziest thing ever. That's so funny you say that because I actually do the same thing. Like, well, right now I'm working from home, but when I used to leave, we would turn on like Animal Planet or something. Like right. we'd find something that we feel like the dogs connected with. <laughs> we'd play that while we're gone. And it actually worked. Like they used to get very upset when we would leave. But if we turn the TV on, it's it sounds kind of mean, but it kind of tricks them into thinking we're going to sit back down on the couch. So they just kind of chill. <laughs> I can, I can, I can, I can segue. I can segue from that for a minute. I got a funny story to tell you. I had to actually leave. No, go sh- for it. I had to actually, I had to actually leave that show on today. The Josie the <laughs> show on because we was uh, me and my fiance were out today because it was our anniversary. So we, we were out to um, celebrate our anniversary, and I had to leave it on. But we have the. Uh, dog camera to be able to watch them from our phones. Yes. And when <laughs> it was so funny. We were out having dinner and I turned on the camera and I had the show on like where it was and he was literally watching the show. Like literally sitting there watching the show. Which was the funniest That is so cute. The funniest thing it's the funniest thing I've ever seen him do since we got him. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this yep. this dog is literally sitting here watching the T V <laughs> He's used to his routine. Well, happy anniversary, too. That's great. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, you know, segueing, I guess, uh, into the talking about the movie. So this came out in 2001. And I do want to say, before we jump too, too much further into it, um, we do give spoilers on this show. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, I do recommend you watch it. I actually watched it on HBO Go so or HBO Max. So if you have that, um, you can watch it on there as well as the cartoon. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis really fast and then we'll kind of dive into it a little bit more. And side, uh, side note, it's actually, it's actually on sale right now on uh, Voodoo too. Oh, really? Voodoo too. So any, <laughs> anybody that, that hasn't seen the movie, but is interested in it, like after we talk about it, like it's on sale right now. So go get it, Voodoo. 
there you go. You have no excuse. (laughs) Okay, so here is the synopsis. Uh, Josie, Melody, and Val are three small-town girl musicians determined to take their rock band out of the garage and straight to the top, while remaining true to their look, style, and sound. They get a record deal, which brings fame and fortune, but soon realize they are pawns of two people who want to control the youth of America. They must clear their names, even if it means losing fame and fortune. Um, I think one thing about this movie, I remember when it came out, because it came out like, uh, I think, I think I graduated in 02, so it's, it was like 17 when this came out, and um, I didn't realize that it was like satire, <laughs> like that it was like a comedy Um, And I think I probably would have, like, I didn't see it at that age. And I think I would have had I known that. Yeah, because I didn't really know what satire was back then because I was pretty young. I'm like, I think I was 10 years old when this came out. So the the only reason I knew about it when it came out is because I read the comics. Like, I was, like, really into the comics. So I'm looking like, this is actually my, like, being 10 years old at the time, I didn't know anything about, like, you know, them basing movies off of, like, things like books and stuff. So I was just, like, just watching the movie. And I was like, oh, my God, I recognize kind of, like, how they look. And this looks like the, the people that's in my comics. So I'm not really sure what's going on. So that was my, <laughs> whole, that was my whole thought of being so young watching it. Being so young. Well, that makes there. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, on, on this part of the show, I usually do a couple of quick facts. I've only got one that I wrote down from looking through like the IMDb trivia, but uh, I thought it was interesting. It said, due to the level of profanity, adult themes, um, the family-friendly Archie comics, which published the original original Josie and the Pussycat stories, uh, would denounce the film and discourage people from seeing it. Strangely, many years later, the comics would not only be fine with it, but would promote the series Riverdale based on the Archie stories, uh, which arguably has a much darker theme than its storylines in this movie. That's a really interesting fact because because <laughs> I can tell I can tell you one fact about when I went to go see this movie. I actually this was actually during the time where they actually like had two different like showings in the movie theater. So my mother actually oh yeah. So my mother actually took me to the prim, the family friendly uh, showing of this of this movie. <laughs> so for years. Like, I promise you, for years, if I was 10 years old when this came out, for years, at least seven, six, seven years, I, I did not know what the real version of the movie was. So I, I didn't get to see the real version of the movie until I was in high school, actually, with all the, you know, dirty jokes and the profanity and all that. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. So you have, like, a totally different remembrance of this film. Right. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm looking like... <laughs> I'm looking like even like the family friendly version is like some of the words that I, some of the words that were in the movie I'm like I probably wouldn't say being ten years old so I'm looking like maybe this is a little bit like you know inappropriate but you know after I saw the real version I'm like okay this is totally like way inappropriate over the top <laughs> yeah and like you know thinking back to 2001 I completely understand the headspace of being like. Let's make this family friendly. You know, it's associated with Archie. And Archie was like just really pure, you know, Americana. Like I, I understand why they were concerned about that image, but it seems like 
I don't know, I guess like after the dark night, <laughs> you know, like with anything with comics, like the the possibility of there being like a darker, more adult version suddenly became kind of more mainstream. And I guess that's why now with like Riverdale, you know, they're not so worried about how that comes across anymore. And I also feel like the newer Archie comics, including like, um, you know, the ones about Archie and his friends, they've they've gotten a lot like more modern and, and, and like they're kind of trying to reach like the youth of today with some of their themes about, you know, inclusion and um, just being a little bit more purposeful about it being, I think, a little bit more set in our times at least just from the the ones that I've kind of browsed throughout a comic shop. So maybe that's, they've just kind of rebranded and found that, you know, people are more accepting of that kind of stuff now. Oh yeah, definitely. They even, I think they even added a LGBT character in it a few years ago before Riverdale even came out. So yeah, yeah I think, I know for sure, like Jughead is supposed to be ace in the comics too, I think. Right. And that's something, you know, that they don't write in a lot of comics um, I think they would they do now but back when before the show came out and I, I remember even when the show came out people were a little bit upset that he wasn't ace in the show because there's so, so little representation for for people that are ace but um, yeah so I, I, it seems like they've kind of veered away from just being strictly you know a certain branding and just kind of being a little bit more open to interpretation with their characters which I think is a good thing because you can kind of you know, have something for everybody and um, nothing wrong with the PG version. I'm sure I haven't personally seen it, but um, yeah, it, it, it's it interesting. V- I still have it on VHS. On VHS. <laughs> nice. I have some VHS still, but they're, they're at my dad's house. <laughs> it even says like family friendly on the bottom, which is so funny because I have like that is the, so funny. the family friendly VHS, but then I have like the DVD that's like totally like the real version of the movie, which I, like I said, I got the DVD when I was 16, 17 years old, and that was the real version. Interesting. So you kind of, you mentioned a second ago, you're like, this is back when they did this. Were there other films, like, I don't remember this, were there other movies that had, like, a family-friendly version in the theaters? Or is this, like, a one-time thing? I don't really know, because I know it was, like, during the early, two, like, the early to mid-2000s, it's, like, when it's, that's when comedy movies actually started getting like really like raunchy and stuff. So I'm not sure if any other comedy movies actually did it, but I do remember distinctly that this was like one of the movie theaters that I went to. I don't remember which one it was, but it was back when I actually lived in Dallas. But it was one of those uh, movie theaters that had like different screens, like at least 15, 16 screens. So they like mm-hmm. do- they like doubled the movies on some of them where they actually were like you know a little bit edited and then like they had the real version going out other places interesting well texas is like you know part of the bible belt so maybe maybe it depended on which state you're with you were in and i say that as living in texas um so maybe that had something to do with it but that would be interesting to find out if there were other movies like this because i just i i thought that was such an interesting concept okay so uh i will also say when i saw this last night it reminded me of some other movie that I really liked, and it made sense when I looked at the IMDb. This is directed by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfront, uh, and they directed um, "Can't Hardly Wait," which was like I know a favorite isn't of that, mine. Isn't that like <laughs> isn't that crazy? Because like I promise you, like I couldn't put my finger on it like for years. I'm like, what other movie does this remind me of? 
this is this reminds me of some movie. And then one day when I I was in my twenties back, I was in my twenties like watching cable, probably back in college or something. But can't hardly wait was actually on TV. I'm looking like, wait a minute, this looks really similar to something else. And then <laughs> and Seth Green's in it, right? And I'm looking like <laughs> I said. Okay, then I watched Josie and the Pussycats again. You know, I watched the movie like a million times because I just can't stop watching it. But I'm like, okay, this looks similar. And then I found out it was the same uh, directors. I think I actually think those directors, uh, the two that you, was, you mentioned, I think they actually collaborated together. They, like they were partners, right? Yeah, I think so because they wrote and directed Can't Hardly Wait. And I think that's why they got Josie and the Pussycats. I feel like that was successful, so they were given this project. But yeah, it seems like they're like a team. Right. Yeah. It would make so it would make yeah. sense that they did both of those movies. Yeah. And what's funny too, and I'm just gonna admit this to you, when I was a teenager, I was kind of a brat. And so I was like all the like famous teen movies like She's all that and stuff like that. I thought I was too good for. I was like, this isn't real cinema. Like I was just stuck up. (laughs) Okay. No nice way to say it. But then when I got a little older and I was in my 20s, I kind of went back and saw some of these teen movies and Can't Hardly Wait is like one of my favorites actually, but I didn't see it till later. So (laughs) Um, because that's so near and dear to my heart, I was like, yeah, when I was watching this last night, I was like, man, that's so similar to that film uh it also kind of reminded me a little bit of um and eugene levy's in this um it kind of reminded me a little bit of he has like a troupe that he's in uh there's a couple movies they've done like dog show is one of them um it's like a comedy troupe it's several actors and the the humor and parker posey's in that too so it kind of reminded me yeah, yeah you think like Levy shows up in everything, doesn't it? Same. He like does. It? He does, especially around yeah. this time, like late '90s, early 2000s. He was literally in everything. But he and Parker Posey are in some of those other films that that kind of group did together. I'm not sure what you call the group. I need to look it up. But um, the humor in this reminded me of that. So it, it feels like there must have been some collaboration with that as well, or would, some input from Eugene or something. I would totally agree with it. Reminded that. me of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, looking back on this, too, this has like a really, you know, now famous cast, <laughs> something I didn't realize until I was watching it last night. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's crazy how, okay, they had like a really famous cast for the time, I would say, but it's like some of them, some of them stayed relevant after the fact. True. And, and then some of them kind of, <laughs> some kind of fell off. I would say. For sure. I would say out of the three from a. Uh, the actual Pussycats, uh, Tara Reid and Rosaria Dawson and Rachel Lee Cook. I think Rosaria Dawson is the one that had like the longevity of, of all three of them. Oh yeah, I mean especially now that she's Ashoka Tano, right? Ashoka Tano, yeah. Like uh, with you know now that Rosario Dawson's in Star Wars, I mean yeah, her her career is set. Um, but Rachel Lee Cook was you know, hugely important around this time. And so is Tara Reid. I mean, they, they would have been considered really big stars at the time. Uh, you know, um, Tara Reid. Yeah. I would say, I would say like, I would say like late nineties, like early two thousands was like the Tara Reid kind of era for the, for like the comedy movies. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, American pie. Yeah. Had just happened 1999. And then, 
I, for, I always forget that she was in the Big Lebowski. She's Bunny. I know she's um, Bunny. But... <laughs> I, she's, I keep every single time I watch the movie, I keep forgetting that she's in it. Like, oh my god! And I know she looks like a baby <laughs> in that movie. She, she's so young. She even had a small part in Cruel, Cruel Intentions. That's crazy. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, and I'm seeing two Urban Legend. Wow, yeah, she was like a big star. I actually last night tweeted that, and this is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but. She was definitely one of the stars uh, that later just the tabloids were so ugly to her. And I remember I was pretty young at the time when all that was happening, like a lot of really negative stuff about her having plastic surgery, about her partying too much. You know, she sort of that era, I think, with like Paris Hilton and um, I think somebody else even in the tweet mentioned like Lindsay Lohan, where people are just like so ugly about them like oh she's washed up she's this and that and looking back on it i'm like that was terrible like she didn't really do anything to deserve that other than i guess she partied too much and got older like i don't know why that was so okay back then but just want to say shout out to tara reed she was in a lot of good stuff and i liked her and she's in the sharknado movie she, she, <laughs> so. she, she like she like uh had a career resurgence from yeah. the sharknado films yeah, so she's got that. And then Rachel Lake Cook, I don't feel like... I mean, she was so big, but I don't feel like I see her as often anymore. What I saw she, she does a lot of, like, voice Correct work. me if I'm wrong. Wasn't she, like, before even she's all there? Wasn't she in, like, um, the Babysitter's Club? Wasn't she one of them? Oh, my gosh. I loved that movie. Let me look. Um, I want to say she was a short-haired girl. I don't remember the names. You know that. what? That might have been... That wasn't... Christina Ricci, was it? Let me look. I don't know. Everybody looks so similar back when they were younger. I know, they did. Okay, I'm going back into the 90s. I'm going to find this. 26 Summer Street. Mm, I don't see it, but let's find out who's in the Babysitter's Club. Because I loved that film and the books. <laughs> oh, I love the books. I, like, I, forgot I, I, about that movie. <laughs> I, I, my library card wore out from, that, from those books in elementary school. Okay, let's see. Nope, you were right. It is her. It's her, right. It, she, it came up right away. Yeah. yeah. I don't know I, why it didn't come up in IMDb, but I don't know. I figured, it's definitely I her. Know, I'm like, I knew I seen her in something before she's out there. I'm looking like, she's out there was like her big role, but she was in something else before that. Oh, actually, yeah. I think I just didn't scroll down far enough. I think it's her first movie. Oh, Good memory. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I used to get her in uh, Lacey... Shaber, Shaber, I don't know if that's uh, name, but the girl from the girl from uh, Party of Five. Yes, I used yeah. to get them like confused because they're both like really small, <laughs> had short hair. Um, but yeah, they were really big stars at the time that this movie came out. And then you've got Alan Cumming, who, like, the second I saw him, I was like, oh, remember how he was in Robbie and Michelle's High School Reunion? And he even has a line in the movie that kind of calls back to that. Um, I can't remember what he says, but he says something that's sort of a reference to that film. Uh, mentioned Parker Posey's in this. Uh, yeah, I could not believe Eugene Parker Posey was in it. I'm like, like I went like my mother took me to go see Scream Three when I really wasn't supposed to be going oh, to go yeah. see it, <laughs> and I remember she was in that movie. I'm looking like I feel it. Right. Yeah, I feel like all parents are like, you can't see this, and then for some reason. They always make an exception for like one or two horror films. Like, 
And then you look back and you're like, why was that okay, but not the okay. Um yeah, and then also let's see, I could not remember this woman's name last night, and I'm gonna look and see if this is her. Okay, Missy Pyle. I recognized her too. Yes. She was in a, like a ton of stuff. She was one like, of the she was one of the big ones, I would say, in the two thousands. Yes, you know, Dodgeball was what I always think of her first. <laughs> but then she was like in Galaxy Quest. I don't know. I think about like a bunch of other I think stuff. about I always think about her when I when I think about her, I always think about when her and Queen Latifah had that fight in that movie. Um what was that movie with Queen Latifah and Stephen Martin? Uh, let's see. I'm going to have to click on Missy Powell's name because I I have to know the name of that movie now. Okay, yeah, tell me because I can't remember, but I'm sure when you say it, it'll jump to my mind. I have to scroll down so far. She's been in so much stuff. I know. She's like one of those people that when I was watching the movie last night, I was like, oh my gosh, her. What's her name? Like, she was in so much stuff around this time specifically, too. Bring it down. Bring it down the house. That's what it's called. Oh, okay, okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's so funny. Yeah, so like a really good cast of comedians. And like, you know, granted, when I saw this and when you saw this, I probably did not know all those names, but it's fun to go back and like see all this. And then I mentioned earlier Seth Green too. And uh the guy from Scrubs. Donald well. Fazian, uh, oh my god. Yes. yes. And, and then Brecken Meyer also. Uh, uh, the other one, the other one from the drawer, right? Yeah, he was in like Clueless and a lot of other stuff. But then, I know, I can, you know, I think he's I had a he bigger. Yeah, I do remember he was in Clueless. Yeah, and I think he's had kind of a bigger presence, like on TV, like with like Robot Chicken, and um, there's like another show he's in. But I Franklin and Bash—that's the other thing that I was thinking of. Um, but he was like really in a lot of teen movies that I remember back then too. Um, so this was like some, you know, a lot of famous people that, you know, kids at the time would be familiar with, but then also even a like couple the older of, even crew. a couple of cameos from people. Like I think uh, Oh, that's true. I think Carson Daly was in it and that's when TRL was like really hot. Yes. Um TRL was like very important to me <laughs> at that time. I watched it every day. Um and I I mean, yeah, wow. That's just such a throwback. That was like Ah, the good old days, back when MTV was, like, so incredibly important in all the music videos and stuff you saw. When MTV was actually about the music. Exactly, yeah. I wasn't going to say it, but you're right. I have no problem Well, so, (laughs) thank you. Um, So, we've kind of talked a little bit about the cast. Uh, Do you want to tell us about some of your favorite scenes from the movie? Oh, my gosh. Where do I even start? (laughs) Like my favorite, I think I think one of my favorite things is actually just like the opening intro where they where all the fans are going crazy over the jour. It's like, and then like they come off the plane and like, oh my gosh! Immediately I recognize three of the guys already. I'm looking like, oh my gosh, these guys are like famous on TV and like in other movies, and like girls are mm-hmm. going crazy over these guys. It's like, I think that's one of my favorite things in the movie. I agree. I love their name. Um, and, and also how, like in the movie, they keep saying they don't remember what it, they don't know what it means, or they try to interpret it different ways when really it's like, it means like of the day, like soup du jour. <laughs> I, I like that, the name of the band. And then these guys, like you said, they were very like popular around this time. So it's just really fun to see them as this kind of spoof on like, 
the boy bands of the era, like probably maybe this is going to make me sound old. I'm going to pick the wrong band names because this was so long ago, but like, you know, sync and stuff like that. Um, you know, they're sort of parodying off that. And this like this whole movie is kind of parodying, uh, you know, the sort of like the pop music of the time, but not like in a mean way still like in a fun way. Um, and I kind of like that because I, I actually really like pop music a lot. So, so do I. I don't like it when, yeah. And I don't like it when it's so hated on, you know, like people are like, Oh, it's not real music. And I'm like, I think it is. And so I feel like they do a good job in this movie of like Josie and the Pussycats. Uh, they, they have a poppy sound, but they make a point in the movie of like, this is authentically who they are until the record label like takes over. And I think it's, it's probably hard for people today that didn't grow up in this time to understand like the weight of like the record store they go to the record labels. Cause I feel like so much about the music industry has changed, but uh, I think at this time in history, people kind of saw these bands as sort of like almost like a factory that was like pumping out new artists. Um, So yeah, it just, it's interesting to go back and watch this and think about the headspace at that time of like, the way people saw the music industry but there were so many movies about music actually around this time because you know there's also like empire records and which we've talked about on the show and uh uh let's see a couple others that we've talked about um and the names are gonna escape me because you know my memory's terrible but uh like almost famous and stuff like that like there was like a bunch of like music movies around this time too yeah i totally agree um, but yeah, I like that opening scene a lot. I like their outfits and like the way the fans are going crazy and stuff. I, I completely agree. And I don't know, it's the whole the whole movie is just it's it's filled with so many iconic scenes. I think the I think the one scene that actually like I actually memorized <laughs> even by heart is like when Josie finally figures out that she's being like subliminally brainwashed and she agrees to go on with the concert, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> this jour pops up out of nowhere to come save yes, them. Yes, I was glad they weren't dead. Right, <laughs> I was really worried for them. <laughs> and then they 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 can't take them on because they're like all casted up, and so here we go with Melanie and Melanie and uh, Valerie's. My memory is me. Yeah, Melanie and Valerie's about to start fighting, and then here come Fiona and Josie starting to go at it. Which I gotta say one thing, um, Tara Reid really surprised me as Melody in that in that that one scene right there because I'm looking like this girl, like she might be sick, but she's kicking some butt. Oh yeah, I like I like when she finally gets to like showcase her, uh, her fighting skills because in the movie she's kind of she kind of reminds me of uh, Amanda Seyfried's character in Mean Girls a little bit, <laughs> just like a little dazed and like a little spacey, which. I watched the cartoon last night and I guess Melody's always kind of like that, like a little bit goofier, a little bit ditzier. Um, but she kind of, she's got some really good moments in this. I, I would say overall, I, I was kind of impressed with Tara Reed in this role. This, actually. this is a fun fact for me. This is actually my first, the first movie I've ever seen Tara Reed in. So I was, under, Oh man, that would have <laughs> set the bar high then. So I was, I was really, under, I was really under the impression that this is, this is all, um, this is the only kind of rose that she knew, the spacey kind of loopy blonde rose. So like mm-hmm. I, I didn't get, to, I didn't see American Pie until like years later because 
I just didn't see. I didn't get. I didn't, I didn't get into the craze back then. So when I saw her in American Pie later on, I was like, okay, now she's this serious kind of you know high school chick that's what that wants to be serious in a relationship. I'm like, okay, so this girl's like really dynamic, but it did it did set the bar high for me to see her in Josie the Pitcat to see her acting like this sweet faithy little girl which is kind of cute for, for the time and I still think it's cute even when I watch it today yeah and she's got a lot of really good moments like uh, a couple of moments where I laughed out loud at the stuff she said um, when <laughs> when she's in the shower and one of the uh, du jour guys um, leaves a message for her on the mirror and she screams but then she just like writes a little smiley face. Like it doesn't really res- <laughs> like register to her that it's a warning. I thought that was really funny. Um, and then also when, uh, so that part. And then also when, uh, actually the scene you're talking about with the car, <laughs> when Josie says, you know, if I could go back in time, I'd change everything. <laughs> Tara goes, or Melody goes, if I could go back in time, I'd, I'd try to talk to Snoopy. I lost it. You know what? Really I laughed. You know, I laughed. <laughs> I laughed at that when I was. I laughed at that when I was ten years old. I laughed at that when I was in high school. But as a grown adult, I actually really appreciate that line because I'm like, oh my gosh. Because even what Josie, even what, <laughs> even what Josie said to, to her after that was like the truth. As an adult, I'm looking like, I love that you think that everything is possible and the world is such a great place because. Lord knows we need that right now, and I just, I just, I, I love that moment. I, I love that moment as an adult. It's like a, it's like an appreciating moment for that scene right there, and that particular interaction with them. And also, when you find out that the voice that uh, is the subliminal voice on the track is the movie phone guy, I lost it. I thought that was hilarious because movie phone. I mean, that's another thing that's like gone away, but that was such a big deal it's, back then. And it's such a weird, I, it's such a weird thing because it's like even <laughs> be, even before even before we went to go see this movie in the theaters, I'm looking like we had I had the, my mom actually had to call to see what time it was showing. It, it's, the, yep. it's the exact it's the exact <laughs> it's the exact same voice. Like oh my gosh, yeah, you this voice. We literally just heard this voice, and then I'm hearing this voice in the theater. I'm looking like. Oh my gosh! I think I even shook my mama. I'm like, mama, but that's the voice that you hear on the phone. And of course, she tells. <laughs> of course, I'm too young to know that I shouldn't be talking in the movie, so she tells me to shush. But I, <laughs> so I got, good mom. So I got a little, I got a little too excited, but it was like crazy. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, because like, so when we were watching it last night, and that part happened, because I was like, I recognize that voice, but it's been a long time, right, since I've used movie phone. And then they said he said that, and I went, "Oh my gosh!" Like Nick and I started laughing, and we were both like, "If you know the name of the movie that you want to see, press one now." You know, like we were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I remember because of where I live, like the the movie theater that I would always select when I heard that guy's voice, Webchapel Road and LBJ. Like I'm sure everyone like remembers like <laughs> the exact road of the movie theater you would go to, but. Um, just such a throwback. So th- this whole movie is kind of like a time capsule that way, especially where I was at the time. Um, but like uh, for me, so I I think, uh, you know, that iconic movie phone. I mean, you know, we don't use movie phone anymore. So it's just interesting that that part is in there. Uh, and it goes along with the theme of like all the advertising. Because I also, we actually talked about this in, uh, when we were talking about another movie recently. But like. I don't know if you remember this might've been too young uh, to remember this, but there was like this distinct fear 
around this time of like advertising taking over and like, oh no, there's ads everywhere. There's too many billboards, you know. Was, People were like really worried young. about that. I thought it was too young. For yeah. Like, <laughs> You're I'm, lucky. It was really silly, but like they were like, oh no, like children are being advertised to too much, subliminal messages. Like this was like a real concern that like completely went away. Now we're like advertised to all the time by our phones and everywhere we look and we don't even care, but it was like a legit concern back then. I'm gonna like, so I think that movie's playing on that a little bit. That's crazy that that was a real big concern back then when I. <laughs> and, and now, yeah. fast forward to 2021, 20 years later, I, I cannot believe this movie came out 20 years ago. This, this is that's insane. But it is. It's real crazy. Especially, well, you know, me being a little bit older, like 2001. I'm like, that's 10 years ago. No, it wasn't. It was 20 years ago. But yeah, it's like we went from being so afraid of like advertising to, to like to now sitting next to an echo, iPhone, you know, <laughs> that listens to everything I say. Literally iPhones can hear us. And then next thing you know, we see an Instagram ad and what we were just talking about. And we're like, oh, well, that's normal. The concerns did not uh, make an impact, but yeah. So I, I, I had to mention that because I, I was thinking about that during that scene, but uh, what, what's another uh, iconic scene that you really like? I don't know. I just thought about. I just think that the changing of the trends gag in the whole movie was is what got me too. It's it's like even even watching as a teenager, like you know how all of a sudden everybody's wearing blue at one point, and then all of a sudden it's pink, yes, and then it's orange, and then <laughs> I think by the end of the I think by the end of the movie everybody's wearing leopard. Even Josie's wearing leopard at one point. It's like she got brainwashed to the point where she's actually following the trends as well. It's like I was. <laughs> I was definitely one of the teens that was trying to match every trend possible. Um, but yeah, in this movie, that, that part is really funny. I, I also like the part where like Melody is like, I want a Big Mac after she like listens to that song. And they're like, aren't you vegetarian? And she's like, yeah, but now I want a Big Mac. And like in their hotel, there's all that Target stuff everywhere. In Melody's hotel, there's all that McDonald's stuff everywhere. So it's like kind of ironic because they're sort of, you know, criticizing uh, advertising, but then this whole movie has like a million sponsors. I just think that's really funny. And I also love the. I also do love the scene where uh, I think it's. I think it's at one point the beginning of the movie where they're not famous yet, and like they have these girls that's like bothering them and bullying oh, them yeah. and bullying them. But then <laughs> later on, when they get when they get famous. Um, Number one, I thought it was so crazy that all that happened in a week. I I, I was right, with, I was right along with Josie when when they when they climbed up to the top top of the charts. I'm like, wow. Yeah, she goes, "What if they don't like us?" And he's like, "We'll just replace you." And you're like, "Oh." <laughs> but then, like, they open they open the door, and they're like, "It's the same girls that was bullying them in the beginning, and they're dressed like them now." Which is <laughs> I did not even notice that. <laughs> I died. I totally died laughing at that whole part. It's like, oh my gosh. And then, like, I found out later on, because I told you, like I said, I seen a family-friendly friendly version of this movie. I found out later on that that scene was actually extended to the point where they, uh, it was it was a part where Wyatt said that getting revenge on your bullies is, like, the best part. He said, like, kissing your ass or something. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, I've never heard this part of the movie ever. And it's like, <laughs> it was such a privilege just to go just to see the full part of the movie, the full version of the movie. Yes. Well, you you commented on the trends. I have to say, like, 
watching this is definitely like a time capsule too because for me because when we were watching it I was like I had a shirt like that I had a shirt like that like I was like oh my gosh and like some of it like genuinely makes me cringe now but you know it's probably going to come back because <laughs> I feel like the 90s are back and the 2000s are not far behind I think we will see a lot of this fashion again but I'm at the point now too where it's so far away that I can look at it fondly um, and like specifically uh, Josie's hair I definitely tried to have that haircut <laughs> at that time um, that would that would have been I think maybe at the time I had a pixie cut, but then later I tried to grow it out and have it feathered like that. Like every girl tried to have that haircut, I think, around then. I, I vaguely remember around that time, every girl, <laughs> every older girl I knew wanted to have their haircut. Yeah, it was like, it got to a point where it was like a bit much, like you and all your friends had the same haircut. It was like, okay, one of us has to get a different haircut. But yeah, it was very big at the time. Um, Yeah. And it's so uh, funny because it's so funny because like I think they had an official website where they were actually like, like they were actually advertising them as a band at the time. Like on a, this, oh, this was when AOL was like the biggest thing ever. Oh my I'm gosh! AOL. Oh my god, AOL dial up! <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't even deal right now. But <laughs> this is when AOL was like the biggest thing, and um, I used to go on their website because you can listen to the, you can listen to the soundtrack on their website. And like I had, like I had. What a, a treat! I had, I, <laughs> no. I had a feature. I had a feature on. They had a feature on AOL where you can download, where you can save pages offline, where you can listen to it without being on the internet. So I saved. Oh my god! So I saved the page, and I used to, I used to listen to that soundtrack all the time because I just love the music. Off the, I, that's my. That's the favorite thing I like about the movie. I like the music off of there. It's like songs that I still sing today. Like in my head. One of my friends, Stacy, said she listens to the soundtrack all the time to this day too. I promise you, like you know how vinyls, you know how vinyls are coming back. If they put it on vinyl, I would totally buy it right now. I wouldn't even there you go. hesitate. <laughs> That's great. Uh, let's see. Was there another scene that you wanted to kind of touch on? I think the what do you what did you think about the uh, fake TRL appearance? That was the, that was that, the, that was a scene that really stuck out to me too. Yeah, that caught me off guard. Um, they went there and they were like, "Everything's fake," and I was like, "Oh, are they trying to say like MTV's fake?" Like I didn't get it at first, but then Carson and the other guy like try to kill them. <laughs> I was like, "What's happening?" <laughs> it's hard seeing Carson Daly be mean. I just can't. I thought and, the and I thought the most. Uh, oh, I thought the most. Uh, ironic thing about that whole scene was this is like around the time where I think Tara Reid and Carson Daly were married. I think so. It was cra- yeah. So it was. Cra- I was reading about that. So it was crazy seeing them in that dynamic because because, <laughs> because they even made a joke. They even made, they even like made a joke where he's still trying to like go after her, but he was like, if I wasn't really into this whole conspiracy to like make music this subliminal message thing we could totally like date and then melody's like really and then she knocks him off the the balcony is like i ever did a guy like you i'm like that's so ironic because y'all are dating at the time yeah is who's isn't he with someone from that time now I believe, maybe not i believe so like i don't keep up people's dating life <laughs> That's that's probably a good thing. <laughs> uh, but I feel like 
or maybe he dated Sarah Michelle Geller, or I might be thinking. I, of a think, guy, he, I but... think he actually did before Freddie. Yeah. Maybe. So shamefully, around the time of this and after, I definitely followed a lot of the tabloid blogs. So um, <laughs> that's the only reason why I know that. Um, not doing that so much today, but I I have intel from around that time because of that. Um, but yeah, he was like just he was so huge at this time. Like it's hard to, I mean, he was like the most important. I guess, journalists uh, that kids were, you know, interested in, for sure. MTV was just so freaking cool at this point. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's nothing can compare to it. At least he, I mean, at least he stayed relevant since then. I know, I know. That, he did. Doesn't he, he does the voice now, right? As a correspondent. Yeah, I believe so. I feel like he's always had work. Like he's always been able to kind of stay in the scene for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Right. Um, when when you're kind of talking about stuff that stands out to me, also uh, when they're like in the record store, um, man, like I remember, you know, here in Dallas, we had a Tower Records. Um, oh my god, I used to love. I would go in there. I used to love going to Tower Records. Oh my god. yeah i would go in there like all the time and like put headphones on like you had to go put headphones on listen and pick a cd now that was like the fancy way to do it the other way is you could go to walmart and they also had headphones but it wasn't quite as reliable not as many options if you wanted like the good stuff quote-unquote you had to go to the mall it was a place um, it was a place i went to it was a place it was a record store my auntie used to take me to in dallas every week every weekend um, I think, oh man! I, I just, you remember what it was called? I think it was called CD Warehouse. It was like a that sounds familiar. It was a tiny it was a tiny place, but it had buku amount of CDs. I think most of the, I think most of the CDs were either reused or refurbished. But like no, this like this like like Trump Tower Records in my opinion because they used, <laughs> I promise you they had they they would take the CD out they would let you look at the insert while you're listening to the song. And it has Ooh. and it has stools for you to sit on while you're listening to them, so you can have like the whole nice. the whole experience. Like it was my favorite place to go to just to listen to the music, and then like if you like it, you know, then you buy it. <laughs> After listening that to is so cool. Then, yeah. Now you now we have Spotify, but <laughs> back then very important. Yeah, and I kind of miss that. I miss that. doing stuff like that. Right, I, I I actually miss going to record stores like doing stuff like that. That was like a good experience. I, it was like one of the best parts of my childhood, I would say. Right. It's kind of like, you know, growing up, I spent a lot of time at like Borders and Barnes and Noble, just hanging out, looking at books and record stores were really a lot like that, where you could just hang out, listen to music. And I think also when you're younger, you just have so much more free time to listen to more music than you do when you get older. So it's like, I just, I, it makes me nostalgic whenever I see any movie where they're in like a record store or a video store. Um, I'm like, Oh man, that was, that, those were some good times for sure. Definitely. Uh, like I said, this, this movie brings back so much nostalgia as far as like, even I, like, I know we, we have a, probably a, a good age difference, but I think we can relate on the nostalgia of this movie what we did when we were that age oh for sure for sure absolutely um i think the the other thing i appreciate in this movie i I mentioned earlier parker posey i like that like no matter what role she's in she like acts the hell out of it (laughs) and her this role as fiona is like so over the top 
Um, but then at the same time, um, I mean, she did it for the wrong reasons, but when she's got that reveal of like, she was not popular and no one liked her. And then Alan coming is like me too. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of sweet. Like, I'm I'm good with that. It's so crazy. <laughs> too. It's so crazy because the, <laughs> because the scene where they when they went to the record party when they when they was in the Fiona suite, I guess you could it kind of almost alludes to the fact that maybe Fiona wasn't as popular as she used to, as she is now because she kind of wants to you can you can kind of see that she kind of wants to be like Josie a little bit with what she's saying. Yes. So it's crazy that that scene kind of alludes to it, and then the funny part for that scene that that's that very scene for me after they uh, leave Fiona's presence and uh, Valerie, I guess Valerie says that Brianna's a freak. And then Melody says, I'm so glad she said something because I got a chill up my spine when you said her name. <laughs> it's like, it, it, it's, it, it almost gives me this like feeling that maybe Valerie and Fiona have this like same kind of, you know, spirit that they, that, mm-hmm. that maybe that's why Valerie, that's why, um, Melody kind of seen something was off and maybe they didn't. Yeah. Also, there was that joke where she's like, I have a chill up my spine. And they're like, you're sitting on an ice sculpture. And she's like, nope, I still feel it when she stands up. <laughs> I thought that was a good line. That too. was a good one. She, I, I think I think uh, Melody had the like, best dialogue in this movie. Like, everything she says, in my opinion, was iconic. Yes, it it again it, it really echoes to me like it sounds a lot like uh Amanda's character in Mean Girls who like also has a lot of kind of one-liners that I think sometimes people forget that like it can be hard to play that character, you know, and make it funny. It's really good comedic timing and um chemistry with the other actors. It just I think she did a good job. And since we talked about Parker Posey, I guess the other thing I was going to mention too like it's just always fun seeing Alan coming. Uh, this is, like I said earlier, a few years after, I think two or three years after Romy Michelle's High School Reunion, which is like one of my favorite movies ever. One of my, one of my favorites too. Yeah. We were yeah. <laughs> and I love his role in that. I feel like this is kind of similar. It's like kind of goofy and, but sweet. And, um, you know, this is before he was Nightcrawler. And so it's just interesting like he's had it's so, such it's so interesting funny career. it's so funny you mentioned it earlier that the whole music the whole music movies is like then the whole music movies are craze and he actually played in one of my other favorite music, music uh, movies i know you you've probably seen spice world please tell me you have oh my gosh i'm so glad you said that um <laughs> he played, I, I, totally, I thought about that movie watching this too um, a light bulb is what <laughs> i didn't know he head. was in that a light bulb went, went off my head when i thought about that i'm like wait a minute he was in another music movie and i can't think of which one but when we were talking i'm like wait a minute how can i not forget how can i not remember that he was in spice world he was he was he was one of the uh the press people that was following them around the whole movie, harassing them. I did not remember that, but I saw Spice World in theaters. I was obsessed with the Spice Girls. Wow. I did not remember that. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> so, speaking of which, I'm looking like we, we, we have to talk, we have to briefly touch on the soundtrack of this movie. How, how awesome was this soundtrack, though? I'm look like, like I like I said, it's something that I'm li- I listen to even to this day. Like I think I think I was like running yesterday, and I think one of the songs from the end of the movie came on. And I'm like, oh gosh, this is so great. 
Do you have some favorite tracks on it? I think the opening. I think one. I think the opening track, the three small words song, has to be my favorite. But I'm like tired. I'm like at a tie with the uh, ending song, "Spin Around," which that was a good one because that's like that's like when I talk about my other favorite scene in the movie is the has to be the ending scene where the the audience is not finally brainwashed and they actually judging it on their own. And they actually like it and everything. I just thought that was a full circle moment, like them singing that song and then just the audience just being so receptive to it on their own without being brainwashed, which is... Yeah, like having faith in like the music itself and not having to sell something else. And I, and I, um, I also have to admit that I, I find myself singing Backdoor Lover every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of catchy. Um, I, can't, I, I can't lie. There you go. <laughs> Um, at the end of the movie, too, I like when she's talking to her boyfriend and they have like this. Again, I feel like this movie is a little bit of a parody on other teen movies of the time, maybe even on Can't Hardly Wait. Um, and there's like a little bit of humor to it. So she's like trying to talk to him in the audience and he's trying to talk back. It's like kind of goofy, but sweet. And I'm like, I just think it's funny because that that ending scene is very similar to a lot of other teen movies that came out at that same time, too. Yeah, but it's like the the movie kind of rides the line of of kind of being a parody of some other teen movies, but you know, in, in a kind of sub subverted uh, way and and uh, and funny, you know. So it it does a good job at that, I think. And yeah, it does a good job of that, and it also does a good job of um, you know, the whole advertising thing. Like, fun fact for me is I was actually a marketing major in, in college, so it's like crazy. Oh. It, it, so it's crazy to what like. Have watched this. Have watched this movie like eleven years before I was in college. Actually studying this, and then like fast forward eleven years later, I'm actually in college studying stuff like product placement and how important it is and subliminal messaging. <laughs> I'm looking like it's just it's, it's it, ironic. It's, it's so ironic how, how things just come back to you in your life, and then you just think about stuff like the time where I the life was simpler, and I'm watching this movie and. Now I'm learning about this stuff. I also like in this film that so like there you know the the big dark plot that's happening at the same time is Parker Posey's character and Alan's character they're working like with the government. I mean like the Pentagon is involved in this idea of like brainwashing teens into buying all these products. Um and that's kind of similar to at least the cartoon. I don't know if it's the same in the comics, but there's always like some grand bigger you know bad guy like the episode that i watched last night of josie and the pussycats there was like a submarine with this evil looking dude and his little crew and they had to stop him and um nick was telling me that all of the cartoons kind of followed like the uh scooby-doo model where it's like there's a group of kids and they're like solving a mystery and then there's like a big bad guy. And in this movie, they're kind of, it's the same thing. There's like a bigger overall plot. They have to like figure it out. So it, it knowing that it kind of made the plot of the movie make more sense to me too. Like realizing that there was like a parallel, at, at least in the 70s show. Yeah, I think it did actually kind of take on elements of the show a little bit. With as far as like the whole dark, darkness of the movie and all that. Like it's always, mm-hmm. like, it was a subplot to the movie which I think connected yeah. to 
put criteria, which kind of intertwined it, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, were there any other scenes you wanted to to touch on? No, but I would I would like to like point out this like quick fact that I even oh, I go for even, it. even I just didn't find out like until like I think I was talking to a friend of mine like a month ago when we were talking about this movie and like the twentieth anniversary is coming up next week. But three, they were actually considering uh, for the role of Valerie before they considered Rosario Dawson. They were actually considering three uh, popular singers at the time. Mm. And um, two of them actually auditioned, and they were in um, it was a uh, Beyonce of Disney's Child at the time. It was wow. It was a uh, Aaliyah right before she passed, actually. Ugh. And um, it was a uh, Left Eye of TLC. They were gonna just give the role to Left Eye because they thought she was right for it. But um, but uh, Aaliyah and uh, Beyonce actually auditioned, and they, according to the directors, from what I read, Aaliyah was like really soft and sweet with the role, and Beyonce was too shy. Hard to imagine Beyonce being shy, huh? <laughs> Different time, right? Like, I mean, you know, not that she's like too bold or anything, but she's Beyonce. That's, <laughs> like, that, that's like really, but, that's like really insane. Man, and Aaliyah and uh, Lisa Lopez, they're no longer with us. That's crazy. Yeah, like I said, they were cons- they were actually considering, from what I read, they were actually just considering giving left out of the role because they she didn't even have to she didn't even have to audition. I don't know if it's because I mean I don't know if she I don't know if it's because she died later on or what, I don't know if they I don't I don't yeah it looks like she died in 02 and this movie came out in 01 so it's like. Right, but I think I think I, I think it was actually some time. I think it was actually during that time where TLC was having a little bit of drama too. So I don't know what stopped. Oh. I, so I don't know what stopped it, but I, it would have been interesting to see. I think it would have been interesting to see her on the road. I think it would have been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially given what happened. But man, TLC was so huge. Also during that time, I ah, uh, I loved TLC. TLC isn't. <laughs> And it's so crazy because I think TLC actually gets a mention in the movie when she was trying, when a, um, Alan Cummings' character was trying to tell Fiona what was uh, what he found. And I think he said like TLC times three, except one of them was two of them like incredibly like light skinned or something. Oh yeah, okay, I do remember that line. So, yeah. yeah, I wonder if they wrote that because they had her in mind. But wow, yeah. I'm. I mean, you know, probably acting wise, Rosario Dawson is is probably the best pick. But it it would have been interesting to see a music icon because yeah, Destiny's Child. I mean, that that was around that time too, right? That would yeah. That, I think that would have actually been a good a good publicity for Destiny's Child. Yeah, nineteen ninety to two thousand six. Yeah. I, I, Sometimes you forget like yeah. how long Destiny's Child was actually around. Yeah, for. Wow. I think it would have been like a good like marketing thing for them if they would have had it but i think that i think i think that's when beyonce just started had just started acting because i remember seeing her in um the fighting temptations if i'm mistaken Mm. and i know she was in the uh that austin powers movie yeah that might have been around the same time but like i said all these movies intertwine i just forget the time sometimes but i just thought that was a really good fact that they were actually they were actually considering a singer yeah that would have been huge and like yeah i remember when she was in the third um 
Austin Powers movie, she she did come off as like very sweet. She did. And like I, not I, shy, I, I but like just just very like girl next door. I mean, obviously she's like gorgeous. And that was actually 2002, yeah. But she just comes off like very very sweet in that movie. <laughs> I think her name was, oh yeah, Foxy Cleopatra. Foxy Cleopatra. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, man, that that's a really good fact. I like that. Then, that's interesting. I think I think the other I think the other interesting fact about this movie was that she was like uh, Rachel A. Cook was uh, actually kind of surprised they casted her at the time because she was basically one of the ones that was actually given the role too. But she she said she couldn't sing and she hardly she, she didn't know how to play a guitar. <laughs> So she was really surprised they gave it a role. I have to tell you, that did not matter in 2001. <laughs> I felt like they always casted acting over being able to perform. Like, dubbing somebody else in to sing, not a problem. But, but she, I guess just her star power at the time. She was actually one of the... I think it was actually because of her star power, but it was actually because of the time. I remember her. I remember in an interview, she said she actually auditioned for uh, "Can't Hardly Wait," so that probably has something to do with it too. Oh, you know Jennifer Love Hewitt's in that movie, and she's another like I don't know what it was around this time. Like all the like main leading women were like five foot one or something. I'm five foot one, <laughs> but I just remember that because I was I'm very short, and I would get very excited anytime like a, a leading female character was short. <laughs> I was like, oh good, the shorties are getting a role. But I remember like they're both kind of small ladies, I think. Yeah, Rachel Lee Cook is actually really short. I I, I met her at a Comic Con like a couple of years ago. Oh really? She she's incredibly short. But she, <laughs> yeah. she's incredible. And I think Jennifer Love Hewitt is too. I feel like she's kind of small too. But, yeah, but Rachel yeah. is like Rachel's like really actually really sweet in person. Like she Aww. she was like totally nice. And she, oh, that's that's awesome. And she enjoyed somebody actually remembering Josie and the Pussycats. She said she hadn't had nobody talk to her the whole weekend about it. So I think I made her really. I think I think I really made her day <laughs> that, that, that day when I met her. Oh, that's that's so nice when that happens. I, I have a similar story like that where um, I met uh, Wesley from Star Trek, uh, Will Wheaton, and I was in. I think I was like four, like a teenager, but like very young. And I came up to him and I said that, you know, he's used to people saying, oh, you're Wesley from Star Trek. And I was like, oh, I really loved you and stand by me. And he got like so excited. He gave me a hug <laughs> that somebody re- remembered him from that role. Right. He's super young in that role. But right. yeah, it's it's nice when you can bring up something that that's like near and dear to their heart, you know, and not just, you know, because they probably hear the same movie all the time. So it's last year maybe uh the comic-con here there was a lot of people from like boy meets world and like i've just been noticing like the some of those shows from back when and movies are kind of making the rounds now so yeah a lot I, of nostalgia. I feel like i feel like it's like a, like a lot of nostalgia because you know the shows are like turning almost 20 years old now so it's like mm-hmm. it's people our age that wants to go and meet them now so I guess they got to get a paycheck some kind of way if they're not working. <laughs> For sure. Um, well, okay. So, you know, did you get all your facts in too? I want to make sure I'm not rushing you. I think I actually got my, I think I actually got all my facts in that I wanted to actually say about this movie. Yeah. I think- okay. Well, that brings me to my last couple of questions for you as we're wrapping up here. 
Uh, number one, uh, why do you, it, I know we talked about why you love this movie so much, but if you had to summarize it, why do you think you've seen this movie so many times? Why, why do you keep coming back to it? You know what? When I first saw the movie, like, I was excited that it was gonna, it was gonna like be a live adaptation of like something that was associated with something that was near and dear to my heart, which is uh, Archie comics. So that that's what got me excited about the movie initially. And then I tell my friends this all the time, even before Riverdale premiered, I feel like I was the soul. I feel like I was one of the soul people that spoke Riverdale into into existence because of my obsession with this movie. <laughs> I will take credit for that. I don't care if anybody. I don't care if anybody doesn't ever give me credit for it. I will give myself credit for that because every day since two thousand one, when this movie came out, I said there will be some kind of live adaptation of Archie, the actual Archie comic with the Archie comic characters, and it would be because of this movie. Sixteen years later, I got it, and I feel like I was the reason. I will give myself credit on that one, and that's what keeps me coming back to this movie because. Whenever I watch this movie, I think about that. My persistence is what spoke Riverdale into existence. I'll give you that credit. And I say this as somebody that has a, a Riverdale cheerleader uniform in my closet. And also I have uh, the jacket, <laughs> uh, a serpent's jacket. So, you know, kudos to you. Thank you. I have, your service. I, have, I, have, <laughs> I, have I have very much uh, the same kind of Riverdale stuff in my closet right now. Like I said, we just got I have Jughead's beanie somewhere too. We just got through <laughs> we just got through shooting. We just got through shooting uh, some new content for the page on Instagram. Oh cool. And I will and I will just give you a, a, an exclusive hint just for this um podcast. But it's exclusive just for you. Nobody else has ever heard this, so I'm gonna tell you. Um I just got through rinsing my hair off because it was red. So just an exclusive, okay. just, just for this podcast, that was an exclusive. So y'all got the scoop. You heard it here first. Yay. She's one of my favorite characters. So right. Can't wait to see it. Right. <laughs> I don't feel like I can really pull off any of the characters. So I think I, I wanted to do sort of like a, just like a serpent girl, maybe with some like hoop earrings and like, I'll, I'll put it together someday, but I haven't really, I haven't done anything for it yet. <laughs> I just wear the stuff casually. Usually, like when I'm not cosplaying, I'll walk around at a con with a jacket or something. That's what I do. I went. I, 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 I went along. I went along. I had a the Archie. I had Archie jacket on as my winter coat. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> so like I like like I said, what keeps me coming back to this movie is because I feel like because of this movie, Riverdale exists, and I feel like I had there a, you go. I had an integral part in that. So whenever I watch this movie now. Now that Riverdale's been on for a while, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe 2001, this movie came out, and years later, I got my wish to get, to keep the Archie comic live adaptation coming. Yes. You just needed some patience, I guess. <laughs> I, just had to keep, I just had to keep hoping and wishing. There you go. Well, my other question for you is like, how, what, what would your elevator pitch for this movie be? Like, how would you... Like to someone that's never seen it before, how, how do you get them interested in this film? I say if you like, I say if you like music, movie, comedies, I say this is the first film I actually recommend anybody to watch. Like because it's a, it's a tight soundtrack, it's a, a cool storyline, it it has product placement for God's sake, and 
anybody my age, I would totally recommend this movie for because you're going to just have a nostalgic trip just watching this movie. And even if it's your first time watching it, you're going to just instantly love it because of all the elements of nostalgia that's in this movie. It's, 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 it's just going to take you back to a place where you had no worries and life was a simpler time. And I think that's what we need right now, especially with, with everything that's happening. I think we just need to go back to that simpler time. And even if it's for 98 minutes, hey, it makes us happy. I, I, I'm going to agree with you there. I felt very nostalgic watching this movie last night and it, it put me in a good mood. So 100%. Um, well, Corey, thank you so much for taking time out to be on the show. I'm honored that you, you know, you picked my show to be a first podcast guest on, and I hope that you continue to work on your podcast and, you know, let us know, uh, when you get it off the ground so we can plug it and everything. Uh, I look forward to seeing what you produce. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, I hope you have me again. It's, it's other Absolutely. Mo- it's other movies I would love to talk to you about and to share with everybody else. This is, a, this is really fun. I, pre- I really appreciate you having me. This is a great experience. For sure. Yes, you definitely have to come back. This was really fun, um, and thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.